Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, happy Monday, and welcome to another week of The Hash here on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. We've got Wendy O, Will Foxley, Jen Sanasi. We're going to talk about some stuff that stood out to us from the flow of the crypto news cycle. And we're going to start off with Jen. What do you got? All right. Well, Binance and MasterCard have partnered to bring a prepaid crypto card to Brazil. The card is going to allow users to make payments using 13 different cryptos, including Bitcoin, Ether, and Binance USD. There are some fees associated with using the card. It's going to charge 0.9% per transaction and offer up to 8% back in crypto rewards. Not the first time we've seen an exchange partner up with a big credit card company. This time it's Binance and MasterCard in Brazil. Will, I'm going to kick this one off to you. We spoke about South America recently, the government's getting together, trying to solve some of their fiscal issues. And now we have some crypto exchanges, you know, trying to address the same problems in maybe a different way. That's right, Jen. Happy Monday morning. I think this is an interesting story because it talks about the privatization of money, right? Two companies, one a Web2, really a legacy product in MasterCard, and one a Web3, Binance, coming together, trying to make something innovative for everyday people who just want to be able to move their money around for cheap, right? It's really the goal of all crypto, moving my money around securely and cheaply. One interesting story about Binance is a lot of people in different countries use Binance just as their checking account. You know, they open up an exchange portfolio, an account on there. It's really easy if you're just not in the United States, you just have to have an email address basically. And then you can add stable coins, you can have Bitcoin, Ethereum onto it, and then just swap around with your friends. You can pay for stuff going to the store. Oftentimes people just trade between their Binance accounts and keep tabs with that. And that's how they purchase things around town. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot in Western countries. And of course, Binance is not allowed in the United States, or at least Binance itself. Binance US does uh, actively work within the United States. But Binance, as it does work in other countries, doesn't really exist in Western countries. So we don't really think of it this way. So it's just one interesting angle on it. 
As for MasterCard and Binance, this makes sense, right? And it does speak a little bit to how Binance is being perceived by some of the legacy financial institutions out there. The fact that MasterCard would be willing to work with Binance, to me, speaks volumes about how MasterCard and other financial products are thinking about Binance. Binance is big. It's probably here to stay, even with all the legal kerfuffle we see every single week on crypto Twitter. Wendy, up to you. I love that you use old man lingo, Will. It's my absolute favorite. (laughs) But good morning. Happy Monday, everyone. So I think that this is a really important story. The fact that we, like in the United States, we generally are, we're frowning upon centralized exchanges right now because of the crypto contagion, which is very much fair. But I think it's important to note in other parts of the world, especially places like Brazil or El Salvador, people are actually using centralized cryptocurrency exchanges to do their basic banking because in some parts of the world, some of these countries, they don't have access to get to a bank or they don't have as many financial services as we do in the United States. So I think it's important to look at the entire picture before judging and talk about the pros and the cons. I think that this is amazing. I think it's good. I think it's positive. And it also kind of goes to show you how we perceive these centralized exchanges and cryptocurrency in the West as opposed to other places in the world. And again, you guys, the intended purpose of Bitcoin was to make money accessible to everybody everywhere and for people to actually be able to own it. I think somebody that grew up with grandparents that were immigrants, I feel like we tend to forget about the struggles that our ancestors went through, how they got here, why they got here, and the importance of being able to bring your money with you and have access to it at any given time. Zach? points. I think just also like the macroeconomic situation, specifically with those rumors around Brazil and Argentina potentially pursuing a shared currency makes this timing really interesting, right? I think Argentina and Brazil are among uh, probably the countries in the Western hemisphere where crypto makes the most sense, right? The specter of hyperinflation always looms large over Argentina specifically, and Brazil has had its issues as well. So for Binance to see this opportunity to say, hey, we're going to come in with this card, we might be a better payment system for you going forward as Brazil and Argentina look to potentially explore what their systems look like. I think that's a really interesting and opportune moment for them to step in and say, hey, this can be as easy as a checking account. Of course, the risk here, especially in the US context, is that these don't have government protections behind them, right? There's no FDIC protection should Binance go belly up, right? You don't get that 250000 back or whatever you know, have to go through that long and laborious process, right? So there is that risk there when people take on crypto exchanges as though they are banks, because they don't have the regulatory protections that banks do, especially in the US. I don't know what the situation is in Brazil, so I can't speak to that specific context. But I think the timing is really smart opportune to say, hey, here's a quick, easy way for you to pay stuff with currencies that are outside the remit of your central bank. And I think ultimately, should this grow and be really big, it does kind of add to those fears that central bankers reserve for private cryptocurrencies such as this. Private in the sense that they're administered by private companies, not private in the sense that they're baked in with privacy protections like Zcash, Monero, etc. So anyway, interesting story all around. I'm glad it was flagged. I saw Wendy up there though. Maybe wanted to get a point before we pass it off. Yeah, really quick before we talk about this next exciting story regarding NFTs, I think it's also important to note the risk reward that people are taking when using some of these centralized exchanges in areas where their economic policies aren't as good as ours in the West. And I do this, I say this very lightly. So people are, they are definitely taking a risk using a centralized exchange, but at the end of the day, that might be the best option for them. And it might be a better option than their banking system. Also too, to close out with FDIC, the last letter is I for insurance. We all know how insurance companies work in the US. God forbid you get in a car accident, have fun getting that full claim back. And if there is a bank run that is done in the US to the banking system, 
your $250,000 claims are not going to get filled. I highly, highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. On to the next story because this one is a good one. Is this an announcement of an announcement? So Amazon NFT initiative is coming soon. First mover Asia, Amazon's Web3 foray will be compliance nightmare as Bitcoin tops $23,900. So in this story over here, there's sources from Amazon that say they're planning to launch a digital asset enterprise. They say NFT Web3 gaming initiative is expected to launch in the spring. Of course, you guys, we are still are in this crypto bear market. So this is just kind of rumors at this point, it sounds like to me. And they said they have partners lined up for the project, including Layer 1 blockchains, gaming startups, and crypto exchanges. And I wonder who those crypto exchanges are going to be considering the recent fallout. Zach, I saw your hand up first. Love to hear your opinion. Yeah, Amazon has always been a big one. And, you know, again, this is based on sources, unnamed sources. We don't know if this is going to happen. Spring, like <laughs> April, I think is mentioned as when, when this might happen. Uh, should it happen and should some of the details that are in this report pan out to be true, it's potentially really interesting. There's something mentioned about like Amazon customers playing crypto games and re- receiving free NFTs in reward. So there is some thinking here, at least according to these sources that Blockworks spoke with. And I guess if that came to pass, that would be potentially really interesting for exposing this whole Web3 gaming conversation to a much wider base of users that historically have been aware of this. So uh, that's really interesting. Of course, some of the new upstart, you know, NFT marketplaces focused on gaming, you might be worried by this, right? Like Fractal comes to mind. They're doing gaming NFTs, both on Solana, and I think they also mentioned something on Polygon last week, right? So unless that's one of those exchanges that's being tapped, could be, because I think a Twitch co-founder is involved. I know Amazon and Twitch have had relationships in the past. Could be one of those ones that's, that's brought into the fold. But if you're not brought into the fold and this big giant Web2 incumbent comes along and says, hey, we're doing this, we're doing your business model, that should give some crypto entrepreneurs reason to be potentially a bit scared. But anyway, we'll see if this all pans out. This is all based on unnamed sources at present. So we shall see. I'm going to toss it to Jen, though, because I think this is like a sweet spot for Jen in terms of like Web2, NFT adoption, gaming, all sorts of stuff in here that could potentially be so quite large. So many things. This felt like a bull market story, an announcement of an announcement. And with Amazon, we are continuously like, Amazon's going to do something. Oh, no way. Amazon's not going to do something. These sources say this, but Amazon says this. And here we are again. I think this is really interesting. I think from a gaming perspective and disclosure, I do contribute to a Web3 gaming DAO. It's interesting. A lot of Web3 game developers who are innovating in this space and have innovated in the gaming space previously are kind of against these like big centralized players, right? The big centralized players have turned the gaming industry into one where developers and players are not extracting any of the value. And I think that that exists outside of the gaming space too, right? That's why NFTs were developed. That's why we're having all of this innovation in Web3. And then we have the Amazons and the Instagrams who come in and the audience is there. So like we're all raw, raw for it. And so I think this is good for getting audiences to understand what NFTs are, to experience what what NFTs are. But if it continues down the same path, we're just going to repeat the same problems that we are trying to solve with all of our Web3 technology. Will, what do you think? Yeah, just thinking into to what you're saying there, I think like the FANG stocks is right. This is what everyone wants to happen. This is what we wanted to happen in the last few years is these FANG stocks to get into crypto. So it's like Facebook really got into crypto. Haven't really seen anything from Apple. There's always been rumors swirling there that Apple's going to do something. They're going to launch a Bitcoin wallet or like at least loosen restrictions on their, uh, their own like Apple services to allow more crypto things. Amazon has been a big one waiting on it. Netflix, of course, not ton there. And then Google, some integrations, right? We've seen a few things here and there with her Google web services or 
other things of that sort. Amazon would be a big one, especially for uh, NFTs and gaming, because I think the relationship with Twitch is that they own it at this point, though someone can definitely fact check me on that one. Uh, so if they did allow some sort of NFT thing, then yeah, that would be a pretty big boon for adoption. Throw some cold water on this, though. I think there's just a lot of questions remaining, like looking at the BlockWorks report, like congrats to them for getting a possible scoop here. But there's not a ton of information on what this looks like or how it's going to be built, saying a possible announcement in April. So I'm really just waiting, going to hold my breath until we see something live from Amazon or maybe like something a little bit more built out at this point. Wendy, I'll throw it up to you. Yeah, I agree with you, Will. I, I think these announcements are exciting. They're good steps forward because it is being reported by Coindesk and, you know, mainstream media, which is good because it helps kind of push that idea, makes people a little bit more comfortable when it actually does happen. But at the same time, we keep hearing these stories, we keep hearing these sources, we keep hearing these announcements. But until you actually see an action be done, to me, it's just a bunch of word salad. Do we think it's actually going to happen in April? Should we take a quick little vote here? Yeah, why don't we take a I little vote I don't think it's going to happen. I don't Put think it's going to happen either. Down. I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. I'm with it. I'll back. I'll back. I'll stand up for the reporting here. Michael Bodley from BlockWorks. Uh, I'll, I'll stand up for the, for the guy. Nothing against That's the reporter. I just feel like... No, it could just be Amazon to laser, yeah. you know? That's exactly. my bet. Could be. Just like could their be. orders. We have nothing yeah. against BlockWorks. Yep. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about sports because that is always fun. We talk about the intersection of sports and crypto here. Sometimes we refer to it jokingly as sports desk. And this is where we are going for this next story. Get ready. So rare... <laughs> Known to some on the show as Sorare, incorrectly, I will note. <laughs> Thank you. Has inked a deal with the English Premier League, which is one of the best soccer leagues in the world. This is like adding to their roster of soccer leagues that are involved with this platform. It's an NFT platform in which users get free NFTs. They place them in various lineups, in various competitions, and they play a game, right? It's not just for collecting the NFTs for the sake of collecting. It's for doing so to play fun stuff. So anyway, Premier League is signing on. According to some reports, including the Financial Times, there is an option in this deal for the Premier League to take uh, a stake in SoRare, which had been valued at something like $4.6 billion at its last funding round. Yeah, potentially quite interesting for, to, for the Premier League, one of the best leagues in soccer, to be on board with this, and potentially at a time when broader interest in the crypto markets are down. So anyway, I think I'm bullish on SoRare because it is, again, doing stuff. But let's toss this to the group and see what the thoughts are. Jen, what are you thinking on this one? I just want to say the blog post that made this announcement didn't reference an NFT once, which is this ongoing trend that we're seeing for these mainstream NFT projects, right? We saw that with Reddit. Now we're seeing that again here. These are digital sports cards that you can use to create your fantasy football or fantasy soccer teams, which I think is really interesting that this is happening during a bear market, right? I think that if they had gone the route of calling it an NFT and explaining all of the technical jargon behind it, they wouldn't be able to attract that mainstream sports fan the same way they can if they just explained the value in having these digital collectibles to represent your fantasy sports team that you are already creating. So I think that this was just a great job in communications. Will, what do you think? Yeah, I've been playing way too much Fortnite lately, which I haven't done in like a few years. And guess what? You can buy these little things called skins on the game and buy a battle pass. And it doesn't do anything. It just changes like the color of your character. You can get like an afro or you can have like a jetpack on your backpack. And guess who makes money from it? Epic, the game behind everything, right? They, they purchase all this, they make all this possible. And you just the user buy it for $8 a month. And you have a product there and you like using it because you're playing your game. And your character has like a cool color or like a cool jacket on. And you just enjoy it. And that's how I see this sort of product, right? Where it doesn't really 
do much or add much. There's not a lot of utility in it. It's not like I'm eating a banana. It's not like Bitcoin. I'm moving money around the world. It's just like something I want to have on my phone and I'm just using it. And okay, I'll spend money on it. So that's how I look at these things. The one thing I want to draw out here is the number, right? It says $4 billion valuation as of September with a $660 million raise from a lot of different funds, including SoftBank. And that to me is just nuts. So my Denver Broncos here in Denver, Colorado, just sold over the summer for about $4 billion. It's one of 30 NFL teams, huge legacy. Like It's crazy to think of like that being a $4 billion institution that has been building for about 75 years at this point. And then Sorare comes out of nowhere and has a $4 billion valuation just based on the fact that you can buy your favorite logo or favorite jersey for your team and keep it on your phone. Just weird to think about that. Zach, I'll throw it up to you. I just want to go back just briefly, very obscure reference. Do you remember that one story that came out where someone said that a Dow was going to bid on the Denver Broncos? That definitely did not materialize, oh, but I remember that that was floated at one point while the Broncos were up for sale. Anyway, I want to go to the data because I think it is uh, illuminating about the story. You know, we mentioned that it's NFTs not just for the sake of trading and flipping NFTs, it's NFTs for the sake of popping it into lineups and having fun with these various competitions, right? I think that's sort of reflected in the data. So according to Crypto Slam, Sorare, so rare, clocked something like $23 million in sales for the month of January 2023 alone. And I think the interesting thing to me is that the average sale price in dollar terms was $41, right? So these are not big ticket NFTs. These are fans of teams and or just soccer fans who are using these to, again, build lineups and play something similar to the Fortnite example, where it's enabling that experience rather than sort of the top shot experience, which is collect and the fun is in the flipping, right? I guess that would traditionally apply to like the trading card market as well. This as build is more like fantasy football, fantasy soccer. And I think they are seeing some success with that as evidenced by their ability to onboard new leagues, right? Their name is all over La Liga, which is the big Spanish league. They're all over the world in terms of the various partners that they have. They even inked, I think, Major League Baseball and like NBA. But I think those have seen less uptick in terms of interest. So anyway, for the soccer fan, this is an expansion of the leagues that they're working with. And I think it's really interesting to see. Anyway, Jen, I think I saw your hand maybe. Yeah. You did. Well, I have a question for you. So (laughs) in Will's Fortnite example, we talk about these like, you know, digital items you can play with in games are not really worth anything. And we compared those to these cards. Is there a world in which these cards or maybe the teams that are created with these cards can turn into some kind of financial instrument or something that you own and can trade? Do we have any more information about this? Or are these just representing the players? Well, I mean, if the player is really good and he helps you win a game, like he uh, sort of like accrues value, right? And so I think you Mm -hmm. go to the marketplace and you see this, you know, hey, I'm really, really smart. And like, I'm speculating on the next Lionel Messi. And if I buy him now at 0.01 ETH, maybe down the road, I can max that investment when someone comes and says, oh, I really want this new Lionel Messi on my team to win these games that I care about. So I think there is obviously that financial aspect. And that's why, you know, they've run into a little bit of regulatory questioning around whether this is gambling or whether there's other issues that French and English regulators are very curious about. So there is certainly the financial sort of incentive and impetus behind this thing. But it's attached to sort of gameplay, you know, the traditional like fantasy football stuff we've seen rolled out by Yahoo and CBS Sports for decades now. So it does add sort of a bit of financialization to an existing product that we see in the world of Web2. Anyway, Wendy, what's up? I think that it's just trading baseball cards or trading, you know, any types of sports cards that people did like back in back in the day. And it's just a more civilized way to do so in 2023. 
Also to you guys, we're not allowed to mispronounce anything or have any type of fun on the show. That is 100% illegal, okay? It's fun. It's so rare and we made it spicy. Sorare. 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 Like Target. All right. Like Target. The best big box store. All right. Will, take it away. Okay, guys. My time has come. I like NFTs now. <laughs> NFTs on top of Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin it's this has been blowing up all over crypto Twitter. Okay, this new Bitcoin project Twitter. called yeah Bitcoin Twitter. I should have correct myself. Very good, Wendy. There is a difference according to a lot of people that only exists within their own minds. So according to this new post on Substack, we now have NFTs on Bitcoin. These things are called ordinals. It's a different way of describing an NFT, but basically ordinals are a protocol built on top of Bitcoin using an old update from Bitcoin called Taproot that went live. In November of 2021, Taproot updated basically a few things within the Bitcoin protocol. For our purposes here, what we care about is how much data you can store within a transaction. Ordinals takes advantage of a loophole, really an oversight on how the developers created Taproot to be able to store large amount of data within the Bitcoin blockchain. Some people figured this out, and now they are doing what they're calling inscribing NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain. The difference here from Ethereum NFTs or any other chain is that you can actually include all the data to an NFT. So for the most part, NFTs on different chains means that you can only point to an NFT that's stored on a server somewhere else. But with Bitcoin NFTs, you can store all the information, full songs, full videos, full pictures. You have up to the size of a Bitcoin block to include all that data. This is actually making a lot of Bitcoin people mad because, hey, they just want Bitcoin to be for money and not for your NFTs while others are pretty happy because you actually get NFTs on Bitcoin for the first time. So we're seeing some controversy in Bitcoin circles, which is not odd. Wendy, you want to throw this up to you? Okay, your take on it. This is the thing. I love Bitcoin. I absolutely adore it. The Bitcoin white paper is just an amazing piece of history and information that we have. And it's forced now a lot of NFT. people to learn. Hold, yeah, hold on. Though. Hold on. I got it. <laughs> Got a segue here. And it's just, Bitcoin is like one of the greatest things, I feel like, especially giving power back to the people. And I'm not understanding why that there's conflict about this, why there's an issue with this. There's Bitcoiners that do art and they should be able to reap the same benefits that people that are doing art on Ethereum get. Like at the end of the day, any type of creative industry, it is overrun by like record labels and art galleries and these predatory third parties. So if Bitcoin can help fix that, why wouldn't we want this to thrive? Why wouldn't we want it to flourish? Also, too, I think that this is important to note. Without Ethereum, Bitcoin developers wouldn't have been pushing to create something like this to provide an additional solution. And this just goes to prove competition is good for markets. Repeat it with me, guys. It's okay to like different things and it's okay to cheer for competition. This is what we want. This is good. This is positive. And I'm 100% here for it. Wendy, I'll tell you why the Bitcoiners don't like it. This was not part of Satoshi's vision. This is not a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. It is a silly NFT. It is, though. It is, <laughs> but it is, Bitcoin though. Thing. No, I'm with you. I'm not fighting you. I'm just <laughs> giving the Bitcoiners a voice in this argument. <laughs> when I was reading all of these arguments from like the Bitcoin maxis against this NFT, I thought, you know, isn't that the beauty of decentralization? that one person, Satoshi, or one group of people can actually make this decision. And if people want to use this and, and want to have it, they can. There's a tweet that I want to reference from Dan Held, who is very bullish on Bitcoin. He says that this is good. He says it brings more financial use cases to Bitcoin and drives more demand for block space. And so, Wendy, 
I am with you and Dan and Will. I think this is great. Zach, are you going to go against all of us? No, I'm, I'm for it. I mean, I think that <laughs> NFTs are fun is a compelling argument. And Bitcoin has had its history with NFTs or NFT-like things, right? Colored coins going way back into the history of like digital collectibles or whatever, were something that was a, sort of a Bitcoin creation. The idea that there's all this consternation from the Bitcoin maxis saying, oh, this wasn't what Bitcoin is for, feels a little bit like, I don't know, like old man yells at cloud a little bit. Because really, I mean, if this can bring more functionality to the Bitcoin blockchain, potentially more interest, potentially like, I don't know, all sorts of new activity that had otherwise migrated to Ethereum because Ethereum smart contracts could support these tokens in a different way. I think it's a win for Bitcoin. It should be seen as such. But obviously, there's much contention. So anyway, I'll leave it with you, Wendy. What do you got? All I want to say is, is one argument that Bitcoin maximalists always have is that everything other than Bitcoin is an S-coin. It's not good. It's scams, etc. So the fact that people are actually able to utilize NFTs, they provide a real use case on Bitcoin. Wouldn't this be a good thing for Bitcoin? Wouldn't this be a step in a positive direction, actually pushing people away from these dangerous scams and these dangerous cryptocurrencies that are not Bitcoin to Bitcoin? I think it's a win for them. So I don't understand why that they're upset. Yeah, Will. Why are they upset, Will? Come on, man. Channel... <laughs> Channel your internet Bitcoin Maxi. Let's hear it. I'll get angry for a second. I'll get angry. Yes. The, the pushback is like you want everyone to be able to run a Bitcoin node in order for like the rule set of Bitcoin to be insured, right? Like we're not here to make Pepe frogs. We're not here for online art. We're here to fight the central bankers. And we can't fight central bankers if everyone's not able to maintain their own copy of the Bitcoin ledger. So we need to get off all this art off the Bitcoin blockchain and just keep it pristine. Zach, we got to go. Right. We got to get out of here. Well spoken. We got to get out of here. All right. We got a few seconds left. We're wrapping this thing up. Thanks for watching The Hash here on this Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O, Jensen Assey, Will Foxley. Thanks for hanging with us. Check us out on the Podcast Network. We'll talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.